0: I want to welcome you to the Beauty Biz Show, but before we get started today, I want to give you a few updates. I want you to head over to Facebook and join me inside the Beauty and Success Launchpad group because starting on February 17th, I'm going to be doing some pretty cool trainings inside of there. I'm going to be showing you how to turn your client list into a six-figure asset I'm going to show you this fixed but flexible protocol to become booked perfectly and booked profitably. Also, I'm going to share with you a proven method to triple your income quickly. And guess what, you guys? You don't have to go buy anything. I'm going to show you how to do this using what you already have. So I want you to be able to confidently attract your ideal clients. I want you to be able to call 2020 your best year yet. So head over there and join me. This is a free training. It starts on February 17th. When you get inside there, look at our cover photo. All the dates and times and topics will be shared with you there. Also, there are just a few spots left in the income and impact day that I put together for talented estheticians who want to tap into their maximum potential. This is a live day happening in Las Vegas on March 15th. If you want to join me, head to lauricrete.com and you can go to my speaking page. There's a link there. I would love to have you join for the day. We're going to have a blast setting up your business for massive success this year. Okay, now today I have a guest that I'm really excited to share with you. Her name is Michelle Cook, and she's a CPA. She's a partner at Carter Cook CPAs. It's a firm in St. George, Utah, and I know... CPA and numbers and all that stuff, you're thinking, oh, great, Lori. Great, great, great. Just what we want to talk about. But here's the truth. It's tax time. And this is an element of many beauty practitioners business that is all too often overlooked because you feel overwhelmed or you feel scared or you think you're not smart enough to know your numbers. And what Michelle has done is she has given us permission to become curious and to learn what we need to know about our numbers to become profitable and successful. You're going to love listening to her now. Here's the beautiful thing. Michelle is a beauty professional or was a beauty professional. She went to beauty school. So she gets what we do. I know you're going to enjoy this show. I know you're going to take away some valuable information. If you want to work with Michelle, stay tuned till the end because she shares how you can get in touch with her. And I'm really excited about the show. Again, I feel like this is part of our profession that's been overlooked for far too long. (laughs) Michelle actually just reached out to me randomly. I I did not know her. She sent me a DM on Instagram about two days ago and said, hey, I would love to be on your podcast. And I wrote back, can you record on Tuesday? And both of us were laughing. We're like, gosh, don't you love a business person who knows what she wants? I asked for it. She said yes. And boom, here we are. We have an awesome podcast for you. So stay tuned and enjoy the show today. And don't forget to check out the Facebook group, or if you're interested in joining me for some serious motivation, systems, and tactics to make this your best year yet, you're going to want to check out the income and impact event happening in Las Vegas. Okay, guys, enjoy the show. Thanks for joining me today. Hello, and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Crete. I'm a licensed esthetician, spa owner, industry consultant, speaker, and journalist, and the founder of the Beauty Biz Club, which is the only professional, success based society designed to dramatically up your bookings, increase your profits, and provide you with industry specific resources that are needed to succeed. Hi, Lori. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh my goodness. You're very welcome. And I think we should probably share our story because it's kind of funny how I'm just a firm believer that success like speed and this our connecting and chatting today, I think is a perfect example of that. Wouldn't you agree? Totally. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was so cool that I actually had a CPA. So Michelle reached out to me just direct message on Instagram, maybe two days ago.
1: Yeah, it was very, very quick. (laughs) I
0: said, Hey, would you like to interview me? And I'm like, you know what? This is perfect. So thank you, Michelle. And I have to ask most CPAs I know are introverted and I, you may not be, are you?
1: You know, it just really depends on the situation. I think there are parts of me that are introverted. I, I can, after a long day, just love being by myself and reading a book or something, but I also just love people. And so I'm super happy to meet new people. And that's so fun.
0: Awesome. Well, Michelle is a certified public accountant, and I figured this is perfect because we're rolling into tax time. So I know you must be really busy right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's getting, it's warming up. It's getting pretty good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for taking the time because I find, you know, when you step into the world as an esthetician or, you know, and, and you take on that role, but then many of us become business owners or we're We're running our own numbers and we're never taught these things. And I feel like if any, you know, people listening are probably like me. I did a lot of stuff wrong in the very beginning. So that's my first question for you. When somebody tries to start out doing numbers on their own, how much time does it usually take you to correct this?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. So, well, let me just start out by saying I'm totally with you guys. They don't teach you how to do this in the beginning. And I know that because I went to beauty school and I was in high school. I planned on opening up a salon one day, but then I went on to get my bachelor's degree in accounting. Was, well, I didn't start out in accounting, but it eventually moved into that direction and I ended up following the accounting pursuit. But the reason why I went there in the first place is because no one taught me anything. And I felt so overwhelmed with the idea of trying to start a salon or do anything like that. And then so I just totally empathize when people feel like, how am I supposed to know anything? And it's like, well, yeah, you really, you really don't at first. It takes some time. But um, I would say as far as time, if someone has started their books, and they didn't know exactly how to go about it, it, it can take me quite a few hours to fix things, maybe even eight or 10, depending on how how much things got moved around. If, if you can get some education just early on, like I love when clients will come talk to me right when they start a business and then I can give them those tips right away. You know, doing your bookkeeping on a monthly basis should take an hour, two hours, maybe three, once you get a lot bigger and you grow, but it's, it shouldn't be something that takes too long or is too overwhelming.
0: Well, let me tell you, I want to, I want to tell you something Then I want to ask you something, and then we're going to dive into how I think you can really help my listeners remove a lot of the overwhelm or, you know, feeling lost or clueless. But you're right. When I used to do my own bookkeeping, it did take me an hour or two, but here's what else happened. I would either drink a bottle of wine or eat an entire pint of Ben and Jerry's (laughs) ice cream because it stressed (laughs) me out. (laughs) And I know there are other people out there feeling like that. So I, I, and this is what drove me to finally welcoming somebody in like delegating this part of my business was a divorce. So I'm just curious, do you find a lot of people reach out to you maybe when they're at their wits end, or they are just completely lost or feeling kind of crazy? is that when a lot of people actually start looking for a CPA? You're crisis management quite often.
1: (laughs) That's true. Yeah. It's usually, it's interesting you say that because a lot of times people do reach out during a transition in life, whether they've moved or like you say, a divorce or starting a business. I wish that people would reach out earlier almost, because sometimes you can save yourself a lot of heartache. I actually I just had a salon owner reach out to me. She'd only been in business a year, and she already had a tax accountant, but she was looking for someone specifically that knew salons and understood the business. And so I was able to go in with her and look through all of her numbers and help her figure out how she could turn a break-even business into a profitable business. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, that was so smart because most business owners don't do that. They would finish up their first year. And they would feel embarrassed, like, oh, I only broke even. I thought I was really going to be making money. Well, let's just see what happens next year. And then you just kind of like close your eyes and hope for the best. Um, and so I just really applaud when someone you know, goes out of their way and makes the effort to figure out things before there's really a problem.
0: I'm going to ask you a question that I know people are probably wondering right away during our conversation that we're having here. And that is, what can somebody expect to go in and have an initial appointment with you as far as cost? Because I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised.
1: Yeah, so especially because I'm in Utah. So cost of living is a lot cheaper here. If you're over in California or some of those more expensive states, you might laugh. So we charge a base rate of $150 an hour to have a consultation like that. So like with that salon owner, I sat down with her for two hours. We went over our numbers. It was $300 at the end of the day for her to get a ton of information and useful things for her to do to turn a profit this year. And so, you know, really, if you think about it, a tax returns, you know, probably more than that. And so for you to take a couple hours to focus on on things that are really going to make you money in the future and the difference between a consultation like that and a tax return is you only really need to do it once and apply to things. And maybe in a few years you might have different questions and you might go back for more information, but it's not something you have to do every year.
0: You can do this virtually. I know you said you're located in St. George, Utah, but you also, and I want to just read a little bit of your bio so people listening understand, you You specialize in helping creatives, salon owners, and small businesses from all over the United States. So you can even do virtual type consultations.
1: Right. We can do Zoom calls or FaceTime or whatever people like.
0: Uh, you know, it, I don't think people understand the role of a CPA, and I'll tell you something I was at my CPA yesterday and today. Yesterday I dropped off my personal taxes. Today I had, I found out that I had put a lien on a house for my father and they made a mistake and put it in my name and they wrote the checkout and I was terrified of taxes. So I just drove over there. They sat and they certified a letter for me and then they explained to me how this all works. So you guys do way more than just sit and look at numbers. You know the laws, you know the rules and you can really advise people to make smart business decisions. Right.
1: I I almost feel like sometimes I would put it more on the CPA's shoulders that sometimes people just think of us as taxes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we don't do a good job of letting people know, hey, there's so much more that we can do and so much more that can benefit you and your business beyond just
0: the basic, you know, yearly compliance that you've got to take care of. Oh my gosh. My CPA is like my business advisor. I have to meet with him; It's required four times a year if I want to use his services. And he'll, he asked me tough questions. Like, where do you see the gaps in your business? How could you grow your business? I have a feeling that you're probably the same way with your clients, just the way you reached out to me and you wanted to share what you do with my audience.
1: Yeah. Um, I love that he requires you to reach out four times a year. That's so, that's awesome. I might start doing that. I, Actually, on my own, I just it's not that I I require my clients to meet with me four times a year, but I reach out to them during the year to check in and see how things are doing, because people forget about me (laughs) other than at the beginning of the year. And a lot of times when I reach out, it's like, oh, yeah, actually, I, you know, I need to do. Something new. I I think I might hire some employees. Maybe I need to add in payroll. How do I do that? Or I might add retail to my salon. What do I need to do to do that? And so it's funny, people don't automatically think of me first. But when I reach out to them, they go, Oh, actually, yeah, I do have some questions for you.
0: Well, sometimes I feel like this podcast is almost a little bit like online dating, right? You don't really know the person. So before we get started, just tell me what your office is like so we can all visualize like sitting in there with you. Like, where are you right now? I know you're still at work. And then we're going to dive into the first steps you need to take when opening a business. We're going to get to the (laughs) the real juicy stuff.
1: (laughs) Uh, So we do have offices here in St. George, but my favorite place to work is my home office. And so that's where I'm at right now because I knew we'd have better audio quality here and I could control the noise. So my office right here is a sage green wall color and we've just got lovely decorations. I believe in making your space a place where you can just feel at rest when you walk in the room. And so since I spend so much time working, I just want to be able to walk in the room and go, oh, okay, good. I'm glad to be here.
0: And your house sounds quiet. Any animals or children running around? I can my husband and the kids out before we started recording. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, let's dive into this so they can come back home and have some dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you were gonna share some awesome stuff. This is why I welcomed you so quickly onto the podcast without even ever chatting with you. And I'm just gonna start by reading the questions that you would like to share, the answers to, and let's just go from there. And if I say hit the pause button for a second, then maybe we can add more to to the conversation. But let's just start. The first steps that somebody should know when opening a business, registering as an entity, separate bank accounts, licenses. Can you touch on that for a few minutes?
1: Yeah, sure. So I think the very first thing that a brand new business should do would be to register as an entity. Most of the time, that's going to be an LLC Your attorney can advise you on some of the legal ramifications of different business entities, but from a strictly tax standpoint, I really love LLCs because they are so flexible. So you can continue to be taxed as an LLC or later on you might want to be an S-corp and you can just submit a form to the IRS that'll allow you to make that election. And so it's nice to be able to have the flexibility that the LLC offers and you just get some immediate protection, which is really nice.
0: I I do want to ask you a question because somebody may not even know what you mean by an entity listening in. You mean Mm -hmm. either a corporation or sole proprietorship, or is there anything that I'm missing? Like any other thing, maybe a small business would consider.
1: Right. Okay. That's great. Uh, I love that follow-up. So basically if you start a business without registering it uh, with the state, then you're just a sole proprietor. If you have a someone with you, you're a partnership. And those can be a little scary because you don't get any legal protection when you have those kinds. Somebody can sue you and take your house if they exactly. Okay. Right. So that's why I say you really just should start up an LLC from the beginning to give yourself and your house that protection. I know in California, sometimes people are, aren't as quick to start an LLC because you have a yearly minimum tax that you've got to pay. And so people are like, oh, wait, I got to wait till <laughs> I'm making more money before I can afford that. But I just feel like if you're really serious about your business, if you're really going to go in and market it and you know that you're setting yourself up for success, then you should go ahead and get that right away because you're just going to protect yourself in the long run.
0: Now, I've never asked my CPA this because I, I am an S corp, but I heard you can't be a beauty practitioner and be an LLC in the state of California. I don't know if that's a rumor, but I've heard that. I've heard
1: issues with being, yeah, okay, so... Sorry, it gets really complicated, so I'm trying to keep it
0: really simple. Well, you know what? Just if we want an answer to that question, who should we ask? Like somebody who knows our numbers? Who should we like? Who do you reach out to and find out you're not filing the wrong paperwork?
1: Right. I would talk to an attorney first for for that specific issue.
0: And what kind of attorney do we say? I told you I like to ask questions. What kind of attorney do you look for when you need this type of legal advice?
1: Right. So I would specifically talk to someone who specializes in business transactions. So you wouldn't want to go to an estate attorney or a divorce attorney or a family attorney or those different things. So look for someone who specifically specializes in business transactions.
0: Thank you. Okay. So now let's, you you got to file for something to protect you. And then that starts like, where do you even go to get that form? Right. So
1: you would, it would vary state to state, but I would say that most states have a website that you can go on and register online nowadays, which is really nice.
0: So it's just like a .gov type thing in your state.
1: Right. You you might even Google, you know, whatever your state is and the, you know, set up an LLC or something and the state website should come up in that search and you could start
0: there. Perfect. All right. Now, I think, I mean, because I've been helping people with answering business questions for so long. And one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make is they don't know that they should have a separate bank account right away when starting their business. Will you talk about that a little bit?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, this one is so important for accounting, and it's going to make your life so, 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 so much easier because as soon as you start right away, putting every business transaction into your business bank account or through your business credit card, then you're automatically setting up taxes to be not too big of a deal because everything's all in one place. I kind of like to think of it like glitter and maybe that's because I'm coming off of putting all of our Christmas decorations away. (laughs) Well, a month ago, don't worry, I didn't just put them away. That's
0: okay. Some people love Christmas. I wouldn't judge.
1: (laughs) Uh, But you know, you think of glitter, it just, you know, it's great. It's beautiful. And it's super fun. And it's super fun to get your business started and to buy all the things to get that ready. But if, you get, start getting it everywhere. It's a huge mess. And good luck finding every single little piece. And that's what happens when you have your business transactions intermingled in with your personal transactions. Is It's so hard a year later to go through every single bank statement and figure out, oh, wait, was that a business expense or was it? And, oh, I bought that at Target. And I, I think it might have been for business, but oh, I'm not sure. And so you just save yourself so much hassle once you have it in a separate account. Plus, especially once you become an LLC or an S Corp, it's actually very important that you keep it separately because that legal protection that we were talking about earlier can actually be voided if you're running personal transactions through your business account.
0: So I love the analogy of glitter because it is impossible to clean up when you spill glitter. So that was a really good analogy. (laughs) And that's, uh,
1: you know, at the end of the day, there's just just no way that you would get everything. If you have everything mixed together, you're going to miss deductions, which is sad because you didn't need to pay those extra taxes. You could have paid less and there was no reason to pay more. Plus, once you get in with a software like QuickBooks, the bank will, or QuickBooks will download your transactions directly from the bank into the software. And so it's just so nice to be able to have those two together and then it saves you a ton of time and data entry.
0: And money if you're hiring somebody to do this for you. Right. So now you have here licenses. Is there something that you want to mention in regards to the first step in licenses that you need?
1: Right. So it's going to vary a little Bit state to state, but you're going to usually get a business license with your local area. And then if you want to sell retail, then you're going to usually need to get a sales tax ID um, and start making sure that you pay quarterly taxes on that as well.
0: Do you have any advice? Uh, somebody asked me the other day and I wasn't sure how to answer, like to do a DBA, doing business as, when do you need to apply? And that's a county clerk's office, I believe, for something like that. If you're a corp, do you need a DBA? So usually use a DBA if you want
1: to have your public name be different than what your corporation's name is. You can file for a doing business as, so your your tax return would say your real business's name, but then also doing business as whatever okay. that business is. And sometimes people do that.
0: Yeah, I have that. I have a DBA because I have two little st- separate things in my corp. So. hmm This was a big one. I have this group of forty women. They're top earners in the beauty industry. And I asked them yesterday, I said, Oh, I'm I'm have I have the opportunity to interview a CPA. What do you want me to ask her? And they gave me two pages of questions. So I'm going to ask you to come visit these girls inside my membership club. Maybe we could do that at a later date. But one of the most common things these gals wanted to know, and they were so excited that you really specialize in the salon industry, are what are common tax deductions for us, or maybe tax deductions that we're totally unaware of that we should be writing off or shouldn't be writing off.
1: Right. Okay. So I would say just as a, a baseline point for anything that you're doing to run your business in any normal way is most likely going to be deductible. So any supplies, rent, those, you know, really basic, normal costs, education, probably like, you know, your mastermind or, you know, whatever club things, you know, when people sign up for those, they can definitely deduct those on their taxes, insurance, things like that. Uh, Then you get into things like your cell phone. I know a lot of us use our cell phone both for personal and business. And so people are like, well, can I deduct it if I'm making personal phone calls on it? I usually say the best way to figure that out is to just pull up your bill and see time, you know, minutes-wise, what's your ratio from business to personal? And you can kind of look through and see, well, yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe mostly my clients send me texts, so maybe minutes aren't as good of a a baseline. And you can just kind of say, well, you know, it seems like I use my phone, you know, pretty much 50% for business. I would say getting over 75% might be a little bit too greedy for the IRS taste if you're using it for both personal and business, but 50% is pretty common. Another one that people often wonder about are miles when they're driving their car, what's actually deductible. When I was in beauty school, all the girls in my school would say, Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up a salon and then I'm going to get, you know, whatever signage I had logo or whatever and put it on my car. And then every mile I drive is now considered advertising And I don't know if people still say that, but it's not true. (laughs) So in case anyone got that advice, but you can deduct anytime you are driving for anything business related. So if you're going to go get product, if you're getting trainings, if you're running any kind of errand, then you can deduct all of those miles. And typically that mileage rate that the IRS gives you is going to be even more than what you would spend on gas. So it's usually best just to, to use the IRS's mileage rate.
0: Now, I have a question. I know these laws and rules and regulations change all the time, but is there a meals deductible? Like when you're at work, are you able to write off your meals? I've heard $50 a day.
1: Oh, okay. So this is interesting. What you're talking about is per diem, which is maybe if you're traveling for work, then that might be a little bit of a different scenario. But Okay. Sorry, let me go back. So, the general rule for meals is that it's 50% deductible as long as there is a, a business purpose to that meal. So, like if you're just taking a lunch break in the middle of the day, then you can't deduct that. That's just part of living life. But if you're, you know, taking a client out to lunch, yeah, a team a team meeting, if you're doing I don't know, just, you know, meeting with someone in some way that's business related, then yes, that's deductible. Actually if you do so normally food is fifty percent deductible, but if you're having maybe a work party or something like that, then that becomes a hundred percent deductible. If you're buying like water bottles for your clients, that's a hundred percent deductible. So there is a little bit of variance just depending on exactly what the food was for.
0: Okay. Yeah, and I feel like the second I figure it out it changes too. I don't know how you guys keep track of everything well, it's our job, (laughs) but (laughs) you must be like, so detail oriented, something I can't grasp the concept of.
1: I had, this is funny. So when I was in beauty school, my beauty teacher came up to me and said, Michelle, when a client leaves here, their haircut is perfect, but it takes you way too long. And no one is going to sit in your chair for an hour just so that they can get your haircut. (laughs) And and she's (laughs) totally right. (laughs) But I think it kind of serves me well. And my current role that I can get like so detailed in, into things because, you know, no one ever complains that you did their tax return too perfectly. Oh,
0: no, <laughs> <laughs> That's actually something they they admire. So that makes sense. Any other like tax write-offs that you can think about? Yeah, I would say something to keep in mind is when you buy
1: something for the business, like furniture or computers or equipment, um, if they're over a, a certain value, then you You can't take that deduction all at once. It's got to be taken over time depending on, you know, how long that particular item is going to last. And so that's just something to be aware of because I feel like business owners just think, well, hey, I spent the money this year you know, that should be my profit is, you know, I, I spent, you know, $50,000, but I had a hundred thousand dollars in revenue. So I, my, I should pay taxes on $50,000, but it doesn't quite work out that way. And so it's just something to, to keep in mind. Uh, other common ones,
0: clothing, Oh, oh, sorry. So oh, no, no, this... <laughs> because this is, I speak, I'm a public speaker and I found out I can't write any of that off.
1: Right. So that's what is interesting is if it's a uniform or something that you can only
0: wear at work, like maybe your apron or my friend, Noella's Mar, who makes the best uniforms in the industry <laughs> by her stuff, <laughs> give her a
1: shout out. All right. <laughs> yeah. So if it's something you can only wear at work. Then, yes, but you know, like you say, you've got to wear you know nice clothing to present, and since you can wear that clothing in another scenario, then they won't let you deduct it, which is sad, and it's a big question that people have, especially now with social media, because people you know make photo shoots specifically yeah. for marketing, and it's not deductible, unfortunately.
0: I have a really good question for you that one of the gals asked me. If you take your team on a retreat, a cruise, or a vacation, can you write that off? Okay. I don't want to get too much in the depths it's, of it's things. It's custom, but right? Yes,
1: because, yes, is the the very short answer. Uh, cruises get a little bit tricky because they have to be in the U.S. technically, so pretty much you can only go to Alaska. Okay, <laughs> good to know. But, yeah, there are definitely other retreats, because those are times usually you're intermingling it with training and doing other things that are helping your business. So it's, you know, it seems like you're getting away with something, but you know, usually there's a, a business purpose to doing those things.
0: And I don't want you to go deep and feel like you're going to get yourself in trouble by any means. Cause I know I, I try to teach my girls this all the time. It's so crucial to speak to somebody about your specific business, business circumstances before you make any financial decisions. But I am curious, cause there are a lot of people, including myself interested in buying commercial property for a business. And I've been looking at it and talking to my CPA and he gave me great advice, you know, I'm just like you, what's your take on somebody who comes to you? Is it, does it depend totally on their finances or do you think it's good because it's a, like a, you know, a good depreciation value or a better way to pay rent towards a building than to something you're leasing?
1: Yeah. So kind of like you said, everyone's situation is going to be a little bit different. What I would say about commercial property is one first thing is you should set it up in its own separate entity. Property is usually really well suited for LLCs. That's just a general thing. But then from there, it's really just going to depend on the property itself. You know, how much can you charge in rent? How much are you really going to be netting at the end of the day? Yes, the depreciation is really nice. It's kind of two sided, though, because if you once you go to sell it, then the gain that you get on selling the building is larger, the more depreciation you take. So let me, let me lay that out in numbers because that kind of could sound confusing. So let's just say, for example, the building was worth a hundred thousand dollars. If you took $50,000 of depreciation on your, you know, tax return, now you technically only paid like $50,000 for it on paper, of course. So then if you sold it for $150,000, then you're going to pay a gain on $100,000? Am am I going too much into things?
0: Again, yes, for my brain, because I throw my numbers to other people.
1: (laughs) But I'm (laughs) sure
0: you're going to help somebody out there who understands numbers a little bit better than I do.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. Just from a high-level perspective, know that, yes, depreciation is good. Yes, it's helpful. You end up paying a little bit of extra gain when you go to sell the property because of that depreciation later down the road.
0: Thank you. And I know the gal who asked the question listening in will much appreciate you explaining that. And now I'm going to let you off the hook a little bit and ask you a really easy question. Could you explain what the difference between a CPA and a bookkeeper is? And then from there, I want you to just to segue right into when you should hire a CPA, a bookkeeper, or a DIY. Totally. So DIY. <laughs> <laughs> a CPA is
1: someone who usually has at least a bachelor's degree if not a master's degree, most states now require a master's degree. I have a master's degree. Once you have your degree, you take four very rigorous exams that take about a year to complete. And it's a very high level of information and learning. And it is a very, it, I mean, it's the highest level, I guess, of financial learning that you can get. Um, I, there are I should qualify that with there are some other add-ons that you can add on to a CPA, but nothing I think that would really benefit someone who runs a salon. A bookkeeper is really your most basic form of an accountant. It's You don't even technically have to have a degree to be a bookkeeper. Bookkeeping is just categorizing your expenses. Organization. Yeah, yeah. So you know, bookkeeping's pretty cheap to get, which is really nice cuz it's kind of one of the first things that a lot of business owners want to offload. And so that's really helpful. And then as far as DIY, I think it, in terms of bookkeeping, it just depends on the cash flow of your business. If you can afford to, it's really nice to be able to offload it. Certainly understandable if you can't. If you can't afford to offload it, I definitely recommend watching some YouTube videos and making sure that everything's being done right because you don't want to get to tax season and have your tax account and go, oh, this isn't right. We got to fix it because then you might just end up paying more. And then as far as doing your taxes DIY, I think if you're a really simple, you know, W-2 employee without a lot going on, if you don't have investments, if you're just, you know, you own a house and you're an employee if you want to DIY your taxes and use TurboTax, that's totally fine, most likely. But once you start getting investments, once you start owning a business, then everything gets way more complicated. There's way more to figure out. And I would say just the amount that you're probably going to save in taxes is going to be more than what
0: the bill is. I have to agree with you. It was one of the best things that I did for my business. It's to just get somebody to handle all that for me and somebody to answer the phone and call me down when I get a letter from the IRS or mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> some other thing that makes you feel like, Oh my God, what did I do wrong? So I, um, I want to just maybe wrap it up today. First of all, would you share like a website or an email somehow that my, a, a way that my listeners can get in touch with you? Because it's that time of year and we need people like you in our life. Yeah, totally. So
1: my email address is Michelle at Carter Cook CPAs. It's C-A-R-T-E-R, Cook is C-O-O-K, CPAs with an S dot com. Our website is cartercookcpas.com. You could also find me on Instagram at small CPA. And even if you don't need my services, it might still be good to follow me just because I post different tax advice and accounting all the time. So it might just be a good educational experience for you.
0: I love that. I've got to catch up with the times. I always forget to have people share their Instagram, like get with it. (laughs) We're in 2020 now. I created my Instagram thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. This
1: It's probably just going to be a waste of time, but everyone says you should do it. And I just thought no one is going to want to follow a CPA on Instagram. And you know, what's so funny is I've had a ton of growth from Instagram and I don't even have that many followers or anything, but it's actually been a fantastic platform.
0: Oh, good. So you're actually gaining clientele from the, the platform? Yeah. Very cool. I want to ask you, because I think that this will help the listeners as well, like who is your, and I call this your BCE, your best client ever in the, in the beauty industry, like that person you love to work with, you smile when you know you get to interact with them that day. From a CPA's perspective, who is your ideal client? Like what type of person you go, oh yeah, this person's got it going on?
1: So yeah, my ideal client would be a salon owner. I really especially love working with people who have recently started because I love being able to see everything from the beginning going forward. Not that I'm happy to work with anyone at any stage in their business, but I especially love starting out with people who have just started. It's great to see their growth. It's so fun.
0: Now. Would you be willing to, I'm putting you on the spot, come in and chat with my higher level girls with their 200 questions they have with the hope some of them are going to be using you (laughs) for for your services. Awesome. So I'll reach out to you via email and, and we'll get you set up to come in and speak to them. We have coffee talks once a month and I try to bring experts in that help them run their business because we need people like you in our lives. I would love that. So as we wrap it up today, and this has been such a pleasure speaking with you, and I know you're going to help so many people out there, just with the tips you shared today, it's important stuff that we need to pay attention to wrapping it up. Will you share maybe two or three success tips for people who feel overwhelmed or lost when it comes to their numbers, or even where to start trying to be organized in this area of their business?
1: Yeah, I would. So my first thing to say, and it's not necessarily a tip, but I just think comes to finances, people need to explore why they feel overwhelmed. And from my experience, I think people feel overwhelmed because they feel stupid and people don't want to feel that way. And sometimes it makes them have complete inaction. But I think people need to realize that no one expects you to be the expert, of course. You know, like I said before, it's certainly... We all know that it's not something they're going to teach you in beauty school. And so if you're feeling that way, the best thing to do is to educate yourself and learn along the way. And one like one of the first books I would recommend is a book called Profit First. And this author does a really good job of just Spelling things out in a very non accounting way, but it helps people to focus in on what really matters, which are the profits. And so just start there, you know, rent some books from a library, ask your CPA questions. And if your CPA makes you feel stupid, then fire them (laughs) and find someone who's going to help you, you know, feel confident about your business. But in terms of, you know, more hard tips, I would say, the most important thing that you can do for your business is to focus on profit because you see all the time on social media now and people are just like, Oh, I have a six figure business. I have a seven figure business. And I think a lot of times people are referring to their revenue and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But if you have a seven figure business and you also have seven figures of expenses, then you, at the end of the day, have made no no money. So even though you had that revenue, it didn't benefit you. And so what you really need to focus in on is that profit number. And there are two ways to increase your profits. It's so simple. You can increase your revenue or you can decrease your expenses. And so look at those things. If you're not making profit, those are your two places to
0: start. I love that because I wrote a book a long time ago called the six figure esthetician and that I gave so many business tips in there, but the thing that people seem to focus on the most was Lori, do you mean net or gross? And I'm like, honestly, I feel like if a beauty practitioner can get to six figures, I can help you trim the fat and mm-hmm. keep more of that, you know, cause you know how to generate it. Now you have to learn how to utilize it correctly and become profitable.
1: I always say that accounting is, you know, maybe five or 10% of the business. It's, it's really such a small piece because um, like you, you're probably talking about marketing, generating that revenue. That part is so much harder. And so getting the revenue is great. And then from there, like you say, you know, you can move things around, you can figure it out, you can get better. So yeah, I think once you've got the accounting in place and you're doing things right, then it becomes something that's a lot more simple.
0: I'm always like, the one thing you cannot be afraid of is a profit and loss statement. You got you to gotta face it head on, right?
1: Uh, absolutely. And then I would say my one other piece of advice, I don't know if this would necessarily remove overwhelm, but at least right now, but I, I want people so badly to contribute to their retirement. It is so, so important early on. The two things that you need to retire are time and money. And so the earlier that you can contribute to your retirement on a regular basis, the more it's going to benefit you down the road. And, you know, no one wants to be working when they're 80 years old. And so you've got to pay yourself in the future. So you might feel overwhelmed now about starting a retirement account, but you're going to feel even more overwhelmed when you're 65 or 70 and you need to retire and you haven't saved for it. So start early, do it regularly talk to your tax accountant and make sure that you're doing the plan that's going to help you the most because there are lots of different plans out there, but it certainly is pretty easy to talk to your accountant who knows your situation and they can advise you about the best kind of plan to open up.
0: Thank you. I feel like you have today shared such valuable information that gives us permission to step into this without feeling stupid or like overwhelmed or lost. And you're obviously here to help us. I'm so glad that I can be helpful. So give them your website and, and URL and Instagram handle, all that good stuff again as oh. we wrap it up. <laughs> sure. Email
1: is Michelle, M I C H E L
0: L E, at Carter CarterCookCPAs,
1: C A R T E R C O O K C P A S dot com. Our website is also CarterCookCPAs dot com, and Instagram handle is Small Business CPA.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so very much for reaching out to me and for being such a team player. I really said, okay, give me this, 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 and this boom. An hour later, I had it. And here we are a day later. I appreciate you. (laughs) I loved it. It was great. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, Michelle. You can call your family and let them back home now.
1: (laughs) Perfect. I'll I'll unlock the door.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have a great evening. (laughs) Take care. Bye. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of the beauty biz show. If you enjoyed the show and you would take the time to leave a kind review over on iTunes, that is very much appreciated. And if you find you are left craving more beauty biz inspiration and success tools, then you're going to want to head over to beautybizclub.com, which is the premier online success Academy where talented practitioners go to maximize their potential and to become booked perfectly. Again, that is beautybizclub.com and it would be my pleasure and my honor to help you tap into your highest potential in the beauty industry.